Hey everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Vertical Playpen, the podcast all about adventure and experiential education. I'm your host, Phil. In this episode, we're going to be focusing on episodes that age... Focus on episodes? This is really what happens. And in this episode, we're going to focus on activities that help you read your group. So the idea of this episode came from a recent conversation I had with someone during the International AEE conference that was held virtually. I was attending a workshop and in that workshop I had entered into the chat this idea of having activities that help you read or judge your group at the start of a program to tell whether or not you could do certain things that you had in your agenda. Now, I listed these as, or I referenced this as litmus test activities. And I've actually mentioned this in previous episodes of this podcast, but I've actually never gone into detail about what I mean when I've said that. So maybe you've heard me mention this and just assumed it was something that you didn't know or you should know. I don't think that's the case. I think I maybe just made that term up in reference to these activities. And the reason for that is a litmus test. And I'm just going to pull up onto my phone here, litmus test. So I can pull, just read from Wikipedia. Okay, so a litmus test in chemistry in which one is able to test the general acidity of a substance, but not its exact pH. So... If you, I remember these when I was in high school, that you'd have these like sheets of paper, these thin strips, litmus paper, and you would put it in water and different chemicals and you'd see it change color based on its acidity. And so in reference to working with my participants, it's I'm using an activity to test whether they're alkaline or or acidic. Uh, Yeah, that makes some sort of sense, right? So essentially, if they are going to be willing to do some of the uh, maybe goofier or funny or sillier activities, if I do an activity early on, I can sort of judge that. But you can also judge the the comfort level of the participants. And there's lots of different reasons that you might do activities with the goal of trying to read your group. And this is something that I think is important when you're sequencing your activities, when you're coming up with an agenda Are you putting in activities that are going to help you do this? There's often two reasons why you might want to choose an activity in your agenda. One of those might be, what does it give the participants? Like, what are you, what's the outcome for the participants? What is the learning outcome? But the other reason I often will put an activity into my agenda is purely for my benefit. And that might be to see what comfort level the group is at. So there are, there are activities that I put in there on purpose. An activity that I use very commonly, and I've referenced this before, as an activity that I use as a litmus test, as a good guide for me, is jump in, jump out. But more specifically, sometimes I'll add the phrase in the first round where I'm saying, jump in, jump out, jump in, jump out. I may use the term and shake it all about to see the playful nature of the group. So in that instance, I'm just testing how playful is this group I'm working with because I've just met them. 
And as well, I, I do this activity so early on in the program, I really might not have had that many conversations with people, and I won't have done name activities or anything like that. I'm using this activity early enough just to really initially gauge my group. I've done this with large group faculties where it's been 200 people in a room, and I'm listening to the amount of laughter, listening to the uh, amount of chatter in between the rounds. Are people talking about what they just did? I'm also looking at the engagement level. So this activity really serves a purpose, and that purpose is for me to read the group. But there are lots of other reasons and activities that you might use. Challenge zones is an activity to gauge the comfort level of your group. So those are examples. What I'm, I think I'm going to do, rather than just spend the rest of this me talking, what I thought would be really interesting, I have no idea if this will be successful, is that I'm going to go through my phone and I'm going to call people that I know are facilitators and I'm going to ask them if they have an activity that works for them to read their group. There might be a lot of repeats. I'm not going to tell them what the repeats were or tell them what previous people have said. Because I think that also ties into a book that we wrote called Tinker, which where that came from was a bunch of us facilitators putting ideas of what activities would we like to include and realizing that every single activity that we put in, even though the name was the same, we used it different ways. So just like I might use jump in to do one thing, someone might use it as a completely different avenue. The way they frame it, the outcomes are way different. Just the, the bare bones of the activity are the same. And so that might come across when I am calling people. So let's go in my contacts on my phone and let's call someone. Let's go for Chris. This is Chris Danboys. Hello. Hey, Phil. I'm doing an episode on activities that we do to help us read our groups and read our participants. I'm calling it litmus test activities. I've referenced this idea before. Do you have off the top of your head right now an activity that you use early on in a program that you use on a regular basis that is used to read your group? Is this a facilitated group or is this a training group? Yeah, that's a great distinction. I would say either or is fine. Whatever jumped to okay, your brain. I have one that I use almost all the time in training groups. Ready, aim. Mm-hmm. It's the blindfold elimination game where you're, you know, you're with a partner and you're tossing police balls at other partnerships, trying to sort of knock them out of the game, if you will. Yep. And there are three rounds. The first round, you play it uh, where the Sighted partner uh, can touch, steer, coach, manipulate the unsighted partner who is the one tossing the ball um, in any way they want. The second round, the sighted partner can coach, but they can't touch or steer the person. And then the third round, the sighted partner has to actually stay outside the boundary. The reason I do this Specifically, as I often use it prior to teaching self-delayed climbing, where I'm going to have people in partners and pairs where they're going to have one person who's going to be doing their self-delayed climbing with their wide lanyard, you know, at height. And the goal is that the other partner is going to be their sort of safety eyes on the ground and their coach. And so I want to build that coaching relationship and build that trust between partners prior. 
Um, and it often gives me good information about who should not be good partners, who should not be partners together, who is a good partner, who really takes care of somebody else and who's not, and then therefore who I might have to spend more time. You know, and, and likewise for the partner that's in the middle, who is the target and also throwing the, the fleece balls, you know, what's their level of risk tolerance? Are they just storming around in the, in the play space? And, you know, are they the kind of person who's going to take those similar risks at height? Um, or are they a more controlled and timid person who's really trying to plot out their own safety as well as sort of win the game, if you will? So I use that pretty darn near 100% of the time prior to teaching self-delayed climbing. Awesome. Ready, aim. I'm, I'm sure there's another name for it. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks, Chris. That was perfect. That was a perfect answer. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thank thanks. Yep. Bye. Okay. So ready, aim. That was from Chris. Let's keep us going. I like this idea. Okay. I like this idea that I just, I came up with and I'm going to praise myself. <laughs> okay. Looking at my, who should I pick next? Some of these people I rarely call. Hello, Ryan. Yeah. Activities that we use use early on in a program that helps us read our group so that we know whether or not our agenda will work or not. So we're sort of like gauging the group early on. Is there yeah. activities that you use in the work that you do that you think of as an activity that is a good example of that that you would use? Uh, my first sort of thought around that is the is doing handshakes. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I very intentionally use that cue as a litmus test for where the group as where the group is is with a whole variety of things like just taking risks, uh, being silly how much contact are they willing to make? Like you'll have a group that like doesn't want to shake hands mm-hmm. um, with each other for a variety of reasons or certain kids, you start to see like, well, this, this kid, you know, doesn't shake hands with anybody or whatever it might be. Um, if they want to step up and demo that stuff, like how willing are they to, you know, take those kind of risks and share in front of the group, just the playfulness and the laughter. I feel like handshakes as far as they are, it's always been something that's like, gives me tons of information about a group whether they're kids or adults yeah absolutely uh and i totally agree and also as we are in the period of like physical distance stuff the distance handshakes is still a winner um yeah oh yeah and we've experienced that together that that's very fun even when they're separated it actually makes me laugh more so uh (laughs) all right well awesome thanks ryan that's all i was calling about uh just doing these impromptu calls but i'll talk to you at some point soon all right have a good one yep bye bye all right, who next on my list? I'm going to go for someone that's not actually working at High Five. Let's go for Greg Urban, who works at Project Adventure. Hello, Phil Brown. Greg, you answered. What is an activity that you use on a regular basis that you think applies to this term that you would use mm. to read your group for whatever reason you might use it? Is there a regular activity that you might use? Uh, yeah. Do you want the pre-COVID answer or during COVID answer? <laughs> uh, they're different. Yeah, let's go for both. Sure. Okay. So I think I actually borrowed this activity or this idea from you in this podcast. I think you called it like the magic activity or the golden activity. Yeah. Um, so I referenced that, I think, in my own workshop too. Um, 
attributed it to you. So oh, you. my pre-COVID answer would be um, knee tag. A great way, I think it's a good one because it's pretty easy to explain. You can explain it in you know a couple sentences and jump right into playing it. And that tells you a lot about how willing your group is to engage, maybe even without all the information or not fully understanding what's happening, but trying something out. That's a pre-COVID answer. Um, the current post, or, you know, whatever the word is for inside of, not after, yeah, yeah. Um, is I use perfect circle in combination with a celebration circle. Mm. So what that looks like is setting up some sort of um, particular order of a circle of people. I often use alphabetical by your first name. That's kind of a quick challenge right off the bat. And then the group gets into that order. We set that order, say this is our perfect circle. It's perfect because everyone in the group has a place in the circle. You know it based on your two neighbors. We're not complete until everyone's here. And then do a couple rounds where I move and have the group remake that circle in terms of the exact order as quickly as possible. Do kind of an informal timing, which tells you a lot about a group, about how willing they are to jump in and move quickly. And then the other thing, then on top of that, I say, well, now we've made this circle. We need a way to celebrate us making this circle. Pre-COVID times, I would have everyone grab hands and like throw our arms in the air and yell, we're all here. <laughs> um, a big part of that is now fully out in terms of touching each other. So um, now I bring in the celebration circle where uh, you slap your knees twice, you clap twice, you snap twice. And then two fingers in the air and you do your best Kool-Aid man impression going, oh, yeah. <laughs> And so when we make that perfect circle, then we celebrate it by doing that slightly silly celebration. And I often preface the celebration of like, do you want the slightly cheesy version or the really cheesy version of this celebration? Where that's another good litmus test of is yeah. the group going to say, of course, we want the really cheesy version. That's awesome. The facilitator pro tip is, that, of course, they're the exact same activity. It's just the, <laughs> the perception going into it of is it going to be really silly and are they going to buy into that silliness? Yeah, I love the I love the different levels that we as facilitators are thinking of an activity, and I think that's also good advice for people who are listening. Is that there's so many levels that we're trying to analyze the what we say, like the frame, the the framing, the language we use. Do we throw a joke in just to see if they laugh? Like, yep. and, and is that going to tell me something? So there's there's certain things that we're always trying to uh, assess our groups, and so we use any way that we can. And I and I love your two examples. So uh, sure. thanks for thanks for sharing, Greg. I'm sorry this is a very yeah. short call, but it was just uh, purposed around this. So thank you for answering That's the okay. phone. All right, for sure. Thanks, Greg. Have fun. Good luck. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Okay. So this is Justin McGlamory. Well, Justin, how are you, sir? What's going on, man? <laughs> so I have to tell you, this is uh, not just a social call. So the the backstory is that I was at an A conference recently, the international conference, and I was in mm -hmm. a workshop and I used the term litmus test activities. Is there one that you have in your repertoire that you've used on a regular basis to gauge your group in any way? Huh, that's a good question. I, I've often referred to these as barometers. You know, one that I often use is 52 pickup it's both both the 52 fathoms version but also a multitude of just created versions that i've done myself specific to groups but i feel like that's a good one because you get to see how playful the people who are going to go for it are in those who are more hesitant also handshake mingle is another one mm -hmm. um early on that 
my field, depending on if I introduce partner activities, I can kind of gauge around how who's going to be playful, who's hesitant, who's not. That's a little less um, accurate of a test, I think, because it depends on who you're partnered with, maybe. All right, man. Well, yeah. I'll let you go. Okay. Get busy well, and I'll, uh, I'll definitely be psyched to communicate again soon. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, Justin. It's great to hear yeah, your voice. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Okay, so looks like someone's calling back. Rich Kagan. So I've already heard back. I just got off the phone with Justin McGlamory. Great. So, so I asked the question to you. Is there an activity that you use on a regular basis that's like right on the top of your head that you use to help read your group for whatever reason, playful nature, uh, comfort levels, their ability to trust each other, whatever it might be? Yes, I would say, uh, I can't say I do it every program, but um, at some point doing the five-finger full-value contract, I think I used that early on in the program to kind of figure out uh, the playful nature, the mood of people. So the five-finger things that I use is where the first one, they will uh, thumb wrestle. Then um, finger fence where you engage and you try and tag each other with the tip of your, your finger. And then the wiggle waggle with those two hands coming together. And then getting that middle finger to turn and bend and wiggle. And then um, an activity where you, with your ring finger, trying to pull that ring finger apart without moving any other fingers. And then finally using that small finger as the itsy bitsy spider trying to make contact with the your thumb and your uh, small finger and see how many times you can do that. So I think after those five things, I get a pretty good sense of where people are willing to engage with different partners as they rotate through that activity. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Rich. Great. Thanks. Okay, bye. bye. What is happening? I'm finishing my lunch. <laughs> okay. No, this is perfect for the audio. Phil, when you when you call me, yeah, do you know what your ringtone is? What? Do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> Why? I have no idea. It's been like that for years because we don't huh. usually like call that much, so I always forget. And then you call, and I remember. And then when Chris calls me, it's all I do is win by DJ Khaled. <laughs> so one of you, I think, hijacked my phone. Oh, wow. I don't know why I w- that would have been the song that I would have chosen for myself. Yeah, I don't know. Although, anyway, although I, I do listen you? to that song pretty much every day because <laughs> when I drive Ella to school, it's on her like playlist and uh-huh. it just goes through and it's just like, oh God, this... It's not a terrible song. It isn't. But I do prefer um, the... Uh, what's the other one? Wow, well, I'm, there's many. I can sing them all. Um let it go sorry let it go that's that's the one that um and also into the unknown in the second movie is a good one Mm, yeah i'm still warming up to frozen too anyway i'm calling you because in this episode i'm talking about litmus test activities and so do you have an activity that jumps to mind for you is a activity (laughs) <laughs> that was a terrible way to uh sorry my heater in the room just turned off and i realized damn i forgot to have the turn that off before i called you um so the litmus test activities are activities that we use to read our group prior to something in the program and it helps us guide us in our agenda what do you have an activity that well what's yours 
Uh, mine was the one that I referenced was jump in, jump out. And I do that for playfulness to see how playful my group is. But lots of people have picked different ones. As you could Please have tell expected. tell me what everybody else did and I'll do a different one. No, but I will tell you the one, I will tell you one that is like very different to mine and it's, it's perfect as well, was Chris uh, picked an activity that he does to teach um, uh, self-belayed climbing. So he went the technical route and so he does ready aim. Um, that was his activity. But do, oh, yeah. you, do you have an activity that you use on the regular? Oh, I knew I was going to lose it. I'm calling back on FaceTime. You know what's nice about you calling me back is that I get to hear the ringtone. <laughs> really? Did it come for it? Because I used FaceTime this time because I know it's going to be a bit of service oh, no, the for same. me. Wow, same, same ring. Okay, great. Okay, yeah. so anyway. What is, anyway, what's yours? Well, I'm going to make it a little complicated, so I don't oh, need to. Great. But but you probably could have predicted that. I, 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 nothing comes to mind when you say that. I know exactly what you mean. And I definitely have had those activities like, Oh, I just learned a lot. But, I, but one thing that's not an activity, but is this, it's like when the group has to accomplish something that's not related to the program. And I know I, even I Skyped earlier and I mentioned on day one of a workshop at high five, for example, we explain about how the cleanup from the meal goes. And you know, it's that moment of like, are people going to automatically pitch in and do the work? Or are they going to, you know, it can be a little bit awkward, like who's going to do what and figuring that out. So I like when there's something that I'm not facilitating, where people have to are like doing something to be helpful, like moving a cha- moving chairs or just something that's like a warm up. It's, mm-hmm. it's not really like the litmus test, I think, in the spirit of in the way that jump in, jump out or, you know, Chris's activity. But it's, I definitely feel like I can get the vibe of the group from how they do you know workshop preparation mm. um i can relate to that to like even getting people together in a circle at the start of a program yeah like everyone circle yeah. up and you see like those people who are energized and ready and stand next to you and those who drag their feet <laughs> right yeah. yeah and i think it's i mean it's i never like would make work just for the sake of having the litmus test or was it lip lip no li litmus test i yeah. would say that like l-i-t-m-u-s yeah. L I T M U S T E S T test. Got that. I forgot your no, recording. That's definitely in it. And more so, <laughs> that's going to be right at the intro. When I say what the episode is about, I'm going to play that. <laughs> you know, I can make sure that you didn't do this. I could start swearing a streak. But anyway. Yeah, but I'd cut out the swearing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, so like in a conference, we all like we often end up saying like, "Oh, hey, folks, before we start, can everyone just move the chairs really quick?" And it's just a nice, I think it's just a nice tone set. Like, I'm not the one with all the power. We're going to co-create this. Like, I just like it has an unintentional benefit when you need to do something like that. Um, and then just again, like I'm not <laughs> specifically answering your question, but a few years ago, I would have said, "Don't do problem-solving activities until you've got the group really connected." This is something Ryan mentioned in the EOL podcast, which I fully agree with. That I think some problem-solving activities can really speed up the connections. And I guess in that way, it's kind of a litmus test. Like I will often do math pass within like hour two of a five-day workshop. Mm-hmm. You know, because it gives sort of people that like, oh, this is this is interesting. It's challenging. Or, you know, this is what it's going to evolve. So I guess if I had to pick a specific activity, it might be math pass. Sweet. Awesome. But yeah, I, 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 I sing the song again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, go. And we'll, we'll, let's it, let's sing it together. L I T 
M U S T test. Oh yeah, you got that part right. Great. Wow, that's perfect. That just summed up. That summed up the episode and our singing abilities. Okay, right. That's all I needed from you. Okay, goodbye. Wow, that was a good one. So let's let's pick uh, let's pick someone else. I Ooh, okay. This one is Megan Minen from UVM. Wow, what's up? Hey, Megan. Guess, Hello. Guess what? Now, and normally I would be like, "Oh, this is just a random social call." I, I I'm recording a podcast episode, and so right now. yeah, right now it's not live, so don't have to like you just know that if you curse, I cut that out. But um, I'm recording. I'm going to give you some backstory, and all of the backstory I'll cut out because I've now called seven people, and I don't have that part of the episode. Just as a side note, if I lose you, actually, I'm going to call you. Are you on a? Are you on an Apple product? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to call you back on Facetime, just because I have okay. Wi-Fi calling and it drops all the calls all the time. So I'm going to okay. call you back. Okay. Wow, you didn't even Sorry. let that ring once, so that's awesome. I didn't. I just was looking at the phone. <laughs> Have you ever? I, so I found this. This is an odd thing. If you're on, I don't know if you use Skype, but we use Skype a bunch in the office uh, still for some reason. No, but I haven't if, used Skype since I was in college. I know. I know. I, know, I agree. <laughs> it's an, a weird thing that we still use it, but we only use it internally for some reason. Everyone has it. But if you're typing on like an email and a Skype thing pops up. The act of typing, when you hit the space bar, it accepts the call. So you could be typing, and before you even realize you, there was a call, you're just suddenly someone's face just appears. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's. I'll get to the reason why I'm calling now. Do you have an activity that you use that on a regular basis that you know is going to give you a piece of information about your group? The one that just pops in my head that is like an immediate start is walk stop. And and that's just more because like I want to know if they're like in a pro like they're kind of moving quick or if it's slow or if they're gonna laugh or you know if they're just kind of looking at each other being awkward you know just like if they move close together far apart that is definitely one that mm-hmm. I use. I, I don't know if you've how much in person stuff you've done, but I've been like realizing that a lot of activities actually are helpful in gauging my group about their physical you know, how, how they are about being distant and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would I never have known anything. them. Oh, you haven't done any. <laughs> I, I did, um, I did secret agent guardian angel, you know, that activity, no, I was thinking about but that I was too. thinking about that if it would work and I did it with a group and it was hilarious because not only are people trying to do the things, but they were also trying to keep distance between everyone. So you know how like it gets really into good. a, like a mosh pit that spins. It sort of yeah. was a spread out mosh pit of like a big spinning web. It was kind of very yeah. funny and it led to a discussion that I didn't know I was going to have. So yeah, I think that oh, there's, a, there's activities that still work that you wouldn't think they work. You know, distance handshake, right? Handshake activities. Uh-huh. Just do like the wild turkey with six feet of distance. It's hilarious. So I'm like, all right, things are still possible. Okay. Tell your team I said hi. Yeah. Good to hear it from you. Yeah, you too. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, Hello. Hey, Chris. How are you? Good. Just as a, a warning, I am recording a podcast episode, and this is include will be included. So don't curse. Uh, but I can edit. 
I know that you're a, you have a foul mouth. I've said that to everyone and I've realized everyone I've called is not anyone who I'd ever imagine would curse. <laughs> but I, I'll edit all of this. There's, it's not live. I'm just, uh, I'm just kept the recording on. Do you have a, an activity that you just at the top of your head that you might use on a regular basis as an indicator activity? And it could indicate yeah. anything. It's up to you what you pick, but what no, I use, I use the human mastermind or the, uh, breaking the code activity. And it's, a fantastic activity during quarantine times as well, or physical distance times, because it doesn't require people to be very close together. Um, and you can even do it via Zoom. But anyway, it's been an activity that I learned from a buddy of mine who is actually an environmental educator out on Long Island, but he and I were goofing around playing the, the board game version of Mastermind, and, and he told me about doing it with people. So this is the activity in which there's four spot markers placed in front of the group, and I write down on a piece of paper the four group members' names in an order that matches those four spot markers. And then uh, the group has to figure out what order I put the names in and so who goes in which spot and that sort of thing. Um, and it's a great indicator activity for me because it's pretty low stress as far as there isn't a lot of physical presence or physical danger there, but you start to see how they communicate. And when somebody disagrees with there's usually a lot of disagreement around what the next guest should be or how they should organize information. And so when you have that disagreement, that conflict comes up, that's a great opportunity for growth within a group, but it also is this opportunity to see how the group is going to deal with that disagreement and how do they treat one another? What's the dynamic within the group when they're trying to work through a problem where there's different points of view and, um, so I use that one a lot to sort of gauge how the group is going to communicate. But it's also an activity that I've used at all parts of the sequence. So I've used it early on as an indicator to get a feel for the group, but I've also saved it till the end because I do two rounds of it typically. So I do one round where they really don't know the activity very well, and then I let them do some planning. And if I need to use it as a activity at the end, I can just change the framing a little bit to say, like, based on all the things we've talked about today in this program, how do you feel like the group did in your process of solving that problem? Is there anything, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it again now. So is there anything you would change in your process of solving this problem the second time? Just so it was a different, I, I can just frame it a little bit differently. But in the mm -hmm. beginning of a program, it's fantastic for looking at and evaluating sort of what's the process look like. Like, I'm not necessarily care. I don't care about the product goal. I always make them set a goal. How many guesses do they think it's going to take to solve the problem? But I'm usually worried. I'm watching more and having them pay attention to their process. I think awesome. that's what you're asking. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And I think that what's funny is uh, funny, strange, but I, I expected it. Every single person, uh, there's been, I've spoken to eight people. Every single person has picked a different activity. And they're all activities yeah. I would have in different parts of my sequence, but they are all indicators for different things for different people. And I think that that's probably a takeaway from this as well, that, that any, you can take a lot of activities and, you know, even sometimes the, the line you, the, the framing you reference, you're indicating just in the frame, like you're right. trying to indicate towards something. I reference that, you know, I might throw a joke in somewhere to see if I get to laugh. Like that is an indicator for me <laughs> oh, of yeah. like the, if, is this going to be, is this a playful group that I can continue to do that with? Or do I have to take that more serious tone? Or Lisa, I was talking to Lisa and she was saying about bringing in problem solving activities that would normally have found themselves at the back of a sequence and doing the match early yeah. on. And she was actually, it was interesting. She was bringing up 
that uh, she used as random, like asking people to help move chairs or like doing a task that's unrelated, like some random thing just to oh, see yeah. whether or not, like even as people walk in the room, like if there was chairs in a row, like you're doing a conference and they're set up lecture style, just asking everyone to move the chairs to the back of the room and make spread right. the space, just seeing how many people initially jump up and help or not. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I do that with uh, early Ubuntu sequence. If I have cards that are all laid out on the floor. I, and I, 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 some of them, I don't know whether I'm intentionally doing it as an activity that to try to do that, but it's something that uh, I think a lot of us have been trained to focus our awareness on something mm. because it is an indicator of a group dynamic. So it sort of comes from our training of, of attuning our awareness to certain dynamics. So like I lay out all these Ubuntu cards on the floor and people are picking a card and they're picking it up. And then the end of that activity, I say, okay, I just have to pick up all these cards. Do they all sit there and watch me mm-hmm. pick all 54 cards up off the ground or do people jump in and help? And it sort of gives, it's things that you, yeah. it just has to happen. It's not like I plan to leave all those cards on the floor to see, to test the group, but it's, it's something I've attuned myself to say, Hey, this group has like four people jumped down here and picked up all the cards for me. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or I've had groups start picking up the cards for me before I even mentioned that I'm going to pick them up, you know, and, and then what is that? tell me or what do I, what am I learning from that sort of being aware of those dynamics? But yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, sure. Okay. Bye. See you. Bye. So there you have it. Thank you to all of the people who answered their phones. There are so many uh, activities here that I think that people can utilize straight away. Very actionable information shared, but also some great concept ideas. To summarize some of those um, ideas, we have just in the framing, how you can change it, the intentional versus maybe unintentional way that people read their groups, the utilization of problem-solving activities early on in a sequence, and thinking about what is the outcome? What are you trying to read from the group? Is it is it playfulness? Is it the ability to connect or co- communicate? Is it a technical skill that we're trying to teach them? And we're using an activity as a lead into that. So lots of different ways that people use what has been referred to now as indicators, litmus tests, barometer tests, all these different ways that we uh, term the idea of using activities to gauge or read our groups um, when we were working with them. So thank you for listening. If you found this episode valuable, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I know I keep saying it, but it really does help us. Um, So thank you to those who have already done so. And then check out our Instagram page, Vertical Playpen. You'll see I add a post every single day. So you'll see lots of great information being shared behind the scenes, some teasers for future episodes, all that kind of stuff appearing there. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playpen. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try Thanks for getting us a good class, guys! <laughs> <laughs>